Want to give thanks for our amazing praise band. Can we give thanks to them? Yeah? It's true. Nobody loves you like God does. Amen? Amen. Unconditionally, right? Yes? Okay. Come on, church. Yes? Yes. (laughs) All right. Need a little energy here today. A little energy. A little energy. How many of you are ready to hear from God today? Hear God speak to your heart. Say amen. Yeah, let's pray. God of grace, we just ask that you bless this message. We ask that you speak to our hearts and our lives today, our relationships. We ask, God, that we'll leave here changed by what you speak to us, by what you say to us, and by what we hear. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. In 1960, Dashrath Mahanji was a common laborer from the Gelbar Hills in India. He was basically a, a shrimp farmer. In corpus terms, he was, his community was very, very remote, had limited access to vital services because traveling involved going around a 300-foot mountain that stood between the towns. In fact, one day his wife, Diva, was just trying to bring him some water while he was working, and she was injured seriously, and the nearest medical facility was over 40 miles away, and his wife died because they could not get her to the hospital in time. She died because she had to go around a mountain to get to the medical facilities. He loved his wife deeply and his love for her did not die when she died because love never quits, love never quits. And he wanted to make sure this accident would never happen again. So Davros decided what the community most needed was a road through the mountain. So he appealed to the government officials and they said, no dice, they're not spending the money on that. So he said, I'm gonna fix this, one man. And so he decided to sell a few goats. He sold some goats. When's the last time you sold a goat? (laughs) He decided to sell a few goats to buy a hammer and a chisel and he began to chip away at a mountain. Each day after work, after work. So he goes to work. What are you doing after work tonight? Oh, taking down a mountain. Hello? So he had a night job and a day job. He, of course, was ridiculed by friends and family. People called his plan foolish and said the project would never succeed. But he kept chipping away with his hammer and his chisel, a hammer and a chisel. They began to call him names like Crazy Mountain Man. Think about this. You're going to cut a tunnel through a mountain with a chisel and a hammer. He starts chipping in 1960. 1961, still chipping away. 1962, 1963, 1964, because love never quits. 1965, 1966, 1967, still ridiculing, still crazy mountain, man. Let's fast forward, still working your day job, still doing. What are you doing this weekend? Oh, chipping away at a mountain. 1975, 76, 78, 79, 1980, 1981. And 1982, and the project is finished. He actually started fires to melt boulders. Forget reality shows. This is the ultimate tale of man versus nature, okay? Dasrath Mahanji singly-handedly carved a road through an entire mountain that had been isolating his village from essential services. The road ended up being 30 feet wide, cut 25 feet deep into the rock. Now, instead of traveling 55 kilometers, people only had to travel 15 kilometers. And all this was accomplished by one man with a couple of hand tools. If you think this story is amazing, say amen. Amen. I think it is. 
What an example of reaching for something that's beyond you. What an example of making the most of each day. Can you really carve a road through a 300 foot impasse of a mountain with just a hammer and a chisel all by yourself? The answer is, yes, you can. In 22 years, you can. When you reach for it every day and you keep chipping away, they don't call him crazy mountain man anymore. They named the road after him. How nice. Dajrath Mahanji Road, because love never quits. It's interesting. Scriptures say that God is love. It doesn't say God loves. It actually says God is love, 1 John 4, chapter 4. You got to read that at my funeral. If you don't read it at my funeral, I will haunt you. God is love, and love never quits. Can you imagine one day God says, that's it, I give up. I just can't quit can't love you anymore. That's not God. It goes against God's character. That's one thing God can't do is quit loving you. Because love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, love never gives up. And it's faith, hope, and patience never fail. Someone say amen. amen. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? The dreams that God has placed in your heart. The promises he spoke to you The promises that God spoke to you in your life are not going to come to pass without opposition, trust me. There will be people who ridicule you. You can't carve a road through a mountain. There'll be plenty of opportunities to get discouraged, plenty of opportunities in 22 years of work to lose your passion. But if you're going to reach your destiny, you've got to take a hold of what God has planted in your heart and say, you know what, this is meant to be. And if you give up after the first time or the fifth time or the 30th time, what that really means is you didn't want it bad enough. 22 years is dedication. There should be something for everyone in this room, everyone watching online, there should be something for which you're believing that you are relentless about. You're not moved by how impossible it looks. You're not discouraged by how long it's taking. You don't give up because you're told no. Your attitude is if I have to believe my whole life, I'm not going to stop believing. I'm not gonna take no for an answer. I'm not gonna settle for mediocrity. I'm gonna keep pursuing what God has placed in my heart. I need a little excitement here today, friends. I mean, I'm pouring it out here, okay? Love never gives up. You can't be passive and indeterminate. I want to say to some, some of you need some holy determination in your life. It's more than just a will. It's fire on the inside. A knowing that it's supposed to be yours, that God has named it for you. And when everything says it's not going to happen, instead of getting discouraged, you kick it into a new gear because normal people don't have another gear. Normal people just stop. You're not normal. I know you. I look at this room. I know you're not normal. And I like it that way. You know I'm not normal. That's not really news. When David was 17 years old, the prophet Samuel, 17 years old, said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. But did David immediately go to the palace and sit on the throne? No. He went back to the shepherd's field where it was lonely. He was overlooked. He was mistreated by his family. When he finally did go to the palace to serve Saul, the king at the time, King Saul, Saul became jealous of David and tried to kill him, threw a spear at him. That's not a good day at work, is it? Well, what happened? Well, someone threw a spear at me. 
David had done no wrong, yet David had to go on the run, live in caves, spend months out in the desert after he's been anointed king. He could have been discouraged. He could have said things like this. Oh, God, this isn't fair. You anointed me king. Nothing's working out. I think I'll just give up. This mountain is too big. There's no way I can carve a road through it. But David didn't have a give up spirit. If you read David, he didn't feel sorry for himself. He didn't let his circumstances talk him out of it. He had a warrior mentality. His attitude was, I'm not quitting. I'm not settling for mediocrity. I know there's greatness in me. I'm going to become who God says I am. One reason he took the throne is because he wanted it bad enough. How bad do you want what God has put in your heart? And if you're sitting here going, well, I don't know what God's put in my heart. Well, then you need to spend some time with God and search your heart. God wants you here for a reason, not just to take up space. Do you want it bad enough to outlast the opposition? Bad enough to overlook the insults when people call you crazy mountain man? Bad enough to do the right thing when the wrong thing's happening? Do you want to keep pursuing it even when the circumstances say, this is not going to happen? Love never gives up. Many of the difficulties we face, the delays, the times, it's not fair. It's simply a test. I think God's saying, how bad do you want this? This is what weeds people out. If you're overcome by problems, if you let circumstances push you down, people talk you out of it, you're not gonna have the strength or courage to go where God wants you to go. You have to be like David. You gotta have a warrior mentality. You have to be more determined than the opposition. If you give up every time things don't go your way, you didn't want it bad enough. You have to dig in your heels and say, you know what, I'm in this for the long haul. God has spoken to me. God has placed this dream on my heart. If it takes 22 years to carve out the road to the mountain, I'm going to take 22 years. You're not moved, I hope, by what's not working out, by how long it's taking, or by who's not for you, because you know who is for you, the Most High God. Reverend Malcolm Richard is a good friend of mine. He's a pastor in Lake Charles, Louisiana. And of course, they just got a major hit from Hurricane Laura. And so I called him up and I said, is there anything we can do? And of course, he's working with the Presbyterian and there's assistance and disaster relief. And I said, man, is there anything you can do? And he said, let me tell you this story. He said, let me tell you how God works, how God's starting to make a masterpiece out of a mess. He said, I have this young, uh, young uh, black woman in my church and she was devastated by the storm. And so the church is helping her. She also went to the Red Cross Center she goes to the Red Cross Center at the local middle school, and she asked, this is a simple ask. She asked for six flashlight batteries. That's it, because they're handing out batteries. And she says, my kids are afraid of the dark. And the Red Cross representative says, sorry, only two batteries per family. If you have any relatives with you, though, they can each have two batteries. Here's what happened. Ryan Abel, who's a complete stranger to her and is white, says, I'm in her family. A young Chinese girl who was standing nearby, a complete stranger said, I'm in her family too. This is the most multicultural diverse family you'll ever see. <laughs> the Red Crosser worker said, oh, I didn't recognize your family at first, but I do now. 
and handed her six batteries. See, love never quits. She could have walked away and just with two. It's been said the definition of insanity is to keep doing the same thing over and over and again and hoping for a different result, right? You've heard that, say amen. But what's the difference between that and persistence? What's the difference between that and persistence? Isn't it irrational, pastor, to keep trying failure after failure, expecting this time the outcome won't be the same? Well, let's clarify this. Persistence isn't using the same tactics over and over again. That's just annoying. Persistence is having the same goal over and over again. There's a story in the Gospel of John after the resurrection of Jesus when the apostles had spent the entire night fishing. They are fishermen. This is what they do for a living, like a preacher preaches and fishermen fish. They caught nothing. Jesus stands on the shore. Cast a net on the right side of the boat. You'll find some. So they cast it. And now they're, they're not able even to haul it in, Scripture says, because of the quantity of the fish. It was like Jesus was saying, hey, keep trying, but just do it a little different this time. The goal didn't change, the strategy didn't change, but they modified their method and it worked. If you've been in pursuit of a goal and one that you know is worthwhile, the solution is not to give up. Instead, you might consider what you could do differently, amen? Consider how you might think, see things and do things from a different angle. Instead of giving your, yourself up, maybe you should say, what would it mean in this case if I cast my net on the other side of the boat? The how of persistence is not that you keep doing the same thing over and over again, trying, failing, trying and failing, hoping for a different outcome. The how of persistence is that you keep on pressing toward the same goal, adapting as you go, and you keep carving that mountain because love never quits. In Mark chapter 10, Jesus is leaving Jericho. He's leaving, he's been to the town. But there's a great crowd following after him because they want things. They want healings and food and miracles. And there was a blind beggar, can't see, on the side of the road named Bartimaeus. And when he heard all the commotion, his ears worked. His ears worked and he said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I mean, he's shouting out, hey, Jesus, don't, don't pass me by. Come here, Jesus, please. And the people around him they call him crazy mountain man. Shut up, blind beggar. You're just a beggar. Shut up, quiet, pipe down. Jesus is bigger. He's the number one celebrity on TMZ right now. You can't, you can't get his attention. Apparently no one here watches TMZ. <laughs> this man, Jesus, is not going to be, they tell him, shut up. Quit begging for Jesus. Pipe down. Keep your dreams to yourself. The more they tried to quiet him, the scripture says, the louder he got. I love that. About that time, Jesus stopped and turned and looked at him. And I can imagine what they thought. Well, you're in trouble now. Jesus is upset with you for yelling out his name. But Jesus actually smiled and says, bring him to me. And so they brought him too, because you know, you're blind, you can't see. So they bring Bartimaeus to Jesus and Jesus says, what do you want? And he says, what we would all say, I wanna see. And Jesus says, go, your faith has healed you and made you well. And instantly he could see. Now here's my point. There were other blind men on that same road that day. There were other sick people in the crowd. Yet Bartimaeus was the only one healed. Why? Because he wanted it more than the others. He wanted it so bad, he didn't let people talk him out of it. 
When they tried to push him down and discourage, he shouted even louder. If he would have listened to them, he would have missed his miracle. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you listen to people and you miss out on your miracle. You can't build a road through a mountain. Are you letting people talk you out of what God has put in your heart? Because people will. You can't get well. You saw the report. You'll never get out of debt. You've reached your limits. You've plateaued. You can't start that business. You can't accomplish dreams. You're too old. You're too young. You're too stupid. Oh, come on. You've been called worse. I have. To my face. Not even behind my back. So be like Artemis, do like him. Let that go in one ear and out the other. Ignore what they're saying. They don't determine your destiny. God does. You'll never carve out a road in a mountainside with some hand tools, they said. And they laughed at him. And 22 years later, who was laughing? Don't you know that he loved the the day they named the road after him? Put a little sign up. Crazy mountain man. If Bartimaeus would have been passive, if Bartimaeus would have been indifferent and said, hey, I'm blind, it's just bad break, he wouldn't have received his sight. But he had passion, he had a fire inside. He was not gonna let Jesus pass him by. But some people do. Some people live their whole lives and they let Jesus walk on by. If you're going to see what you're believing for, you have to be willing to do what other people won't do. Other people may not believe when it looks impossible. Other people may settle where they are. They may get discouraged. They'll tell you, don't bother praying. Don't bother believing. No use getting your hopes up. No no use wasting your time. You have to be like Bartimaeus who said, you know what, God, this looks impossible, but I know you can do the impossible. The odds are against me, but I know, God, you are for me. Well, I put in all three. I put in three applications, pastor. Someone told me this week. I put in three applications, I don't think I'm going to get a job. And I said respectfully to them, you don't want it bad enough if you only put three in. Well, I dated two girls, pastor, and both of them told me I wasn't their type. I don't think I'll ever get married. You don't want it bad enough. There are a million girls out there. Get out there. What are the odds against you? You have to take it to another level. How bad do you want to get out of debt? Bad enough to quit buying things you can't afford? Bad enough to not keep up with the Joneses? Just go over and hand your friends a trophy. Here you win. Best yard, best car, best kids, everything. (laughs) I give up. I'm mowing my weeds today and I'm proud of it. Bad enough to honor God? By tithing your income? How bad do you want that promotion? Bad enough to go to work early? Bad enough to do more than what's required? Bad enough to take an online course to sharpen your skills? I don't want to take the online course. I just want the promotion. Well, maybe you should take the online course. You have to stand out in the crowd. It's interesting. The scripture says Daniel, Daniel distinguished himself. You read the story of Daniel. He was excellent in his work, so sharp. He had a great attitude The king put him in a position of great leadership. It doesn't say God distinguished him. 
It doesn't say God made him excel, that God made him stand out. It says he distinguished himself. He was willing to do what other young men were not willing to do. It wasn't that he had more talent or more skill. In fact, he just wanted it more than they did. How bad do you want your children to stay on the right course? Oh, I want, I want my kids to be on the right course. Do you, do you want them bad enough to bring them to church every week? You know, we have a Sunday school program for your kids. It's happening right now. There's about 10 kids in there right now. Bad enough to get them dressed and, and in time for church at 11 o'clock? So early. You don't think twice about getting your children up for school to Zoom. Have them dressed, fed by seven in the morning. And schooling's incredibly important, but I could argue their spiritual life's more important. I could argue that what they're learning about God is pretty important. To know that they are fearfully and wonderfully made, that they're God's creature and God's creation and that God loves them and God will care for them. And every time you bring them to church and make them go to Sunday school, you're showing them you put God first. How bad do you want your marriage, your relationships to work out? Bad enough to bite your tongue when you feel like telling your spouse off? Come on, Renee, I know you're out there. Bad enough to clean up a mess that you didn't make? I didn't make this mess. There are new levels in front of each of us, but it depends on how bad you want it. God is not gonna do everything for us. We have to do our part. I've seen all these signs around Corpus, people put them in the yard, pray, 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 pray. All my neighbors have pray signs, except for me, the pastor. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing. So my neighbor comes up to me, Jeff, he's like, hey, how come you don't have one of those pray signs in your yard? I already pray. I don't need encouragement from a sign. Have you ever changed your mind because of a sign? I wasn't gonna vote for him, but I saw a sign. Now I'm gonna vote for him. <laughs> Why? I saw a sign. <laughs> I already pray. I feel, like going by, I feel like going around and marking with a marker. I was so tempted. I even told Renee, I'm getting the Sharpie out. I'm doing it tonight. Ninja John is going to go write on people's signs. You think I could do it? Because here's what I want to write. With your feet. Pray with your feet. Act. Hello. Sometimes God says, I, I've heard the prayer. Now you start doing something. Well, I've been praying about it. Well, what are you doing about it? Why don't you have a sign? I'm not putting a pray sign up. I already do it. This is for my neighbors. They don't watch. I saw some of their church logos at the bottom of it. Everyone's putting a pray sign up. You want to get a pray sign? No, I don't want a pray sign. I ain't doing a pray sign from grace. Just pray with your feet. When Lazarus died, Jesus told the family, roll away the stone and I'll raise Lazarus. Jesus could have moved the stone. He's God. He wanted to see how bad you want it. It stinks. It's going to smell. He's been dead for four days. Roll away the stone. He comes out. He's all wrapped up, mummified. And what does Jesus say? Take off his grave clothes. Well, what? Jesus, that's messy work. Can't you just like wave your hand? I don't know how Jesus would have done it, but it would have been like something like, 
kind of spin them around like a puppet or something? <laughs> I don't know. I know y'all think I'm weird and I don't care. I'm confident in my weirdness. God, help me feel better. God, I just don't have the energy. God, I'm always tired. Were you eating right? Are you exercising? Are you putting down more than 43 sodas a day? Are you doing your part? If you roll away the stone, then God will do what you're asking. But you can't override natural laws and expect to live a blessed life. It's sort of like, there's this Baptist group, man, and they go to Whataburger every Wednesday night. I see them because I'm there. I'm getting the chicken tacos. This is the healthiest thing on the menu. And they're over there. They got the double patty melt. One guy's got, he's huge. He's monstrous. He's got like three patty melts and like four onion rings and five things of fries. And I'm like, are you feeding an army? And he's over there. Lord, bless this food to the nourishment of my body. And God's like, I'm not wasting a miracle on that. Well, I know these friends aren't good for me, John, but I like being around them. Well, you don't want it bad enough. God's not going to free you until you roll away the stone. You've got to do something. When he sees you doing all you can, then God will make you and make things happen that you can't happen. But if you're not willing to do the natural, God's not going to do the supernatural. <laughs> Your destiny is too important to spend people with time with people that are not making you better. I have a new thing now in life. I, when someone comes to my life, I'm like, is this person making me better or worse? Because if they're making me better, I want to spend time with them. If not, life's too short, sorry. That may sound harsh, it may sound cold, but I... I am hurtling towards death. I only have so much time left. I'm under 10,000 days. And so are you, all you laughing right now. <laughs> this is not a dress rehearsal. Get busy living or get busy dying. It's hard to bite your tongue to not say what you feel, but that pain is less than the pain of having someone you love walk away. It's hard to lay off the junk food, things that are not good for you, but that pain is less than the pain of not being healthy. It's hard to break from, away from a friend that's pulling you down, but that pain is less than not reaching your dreams. And one of the saddest things is to come to the end of your life and wonder what I could have become. What if I wouldn't let those people talk me out of my miracle? They don't name a road after you if you let people talk you out of your miracle. What if I would have taken that step of faith in my career and not play it safe all the time? You have to wonder. You can start right now. It's not too late to become what God has started in you. The question is, do you want it bad enough? Turn to your neighbor and say, how bad do you want this dream? Go ahead and say that. Oh, come on. Say it like you mean it. Some of you are like, how bad do you want this dream? Come on. Love never quits. There was a young man that was raised in a small town in Pennsylvania, and nobody in his family had ever left that area. They all stayed and worked there locally, but this young man had a dream to go to college. He knew he had more in him, but it came from, he came from a limited income. He didn't have the funds or the connections, but instead of giving up and accepting that that was his destiny, he went to the local phone company, and he got himself a little phone directory for New York City. 
and that's where he wanted to go to school, but he couldn't find a job. He found a company in New York City that had 393 locations in the New York area. He decided to write each one of them a letter. He hand wrote a letter. No computer, no typewriter, no emails. He wrote 15 letters a week telling the company that he would do anything from sweep the floors to clean out the warehouses, anything to get a start with that company. A month went by, he didn't hear anything. Three months went by, he didn't hear anything. 15 letters a day he sent out. Six months, he's still not hearing anything. He's kind of discouraged. When he turned 18, he convinced his parents to let him take the train to New York City to follow up with that company. He arrived in Manhattan and went to one of the largest locations there in Times Square. He told the person in charge who he was and how he applied for a job, and he was wondering if they were interested. The person informed them that all the hiring took place in the corporate headquarters just a few blocks down the street, and that's where all the applications went. So he walked into this big skyscraper, huge building. He told the receptionist his name and asked if he could see the person in charge of hiring, and she called upstairs, and much to his surprise, HR said, come on up. He stepped off the elevator, brought him in this large executive office with big, beautiful windows looking out over New York City. He was so nervous, so out of his element. He told the executive, hey, I'm here. I was wondering if you received uh, the letter that I wrote asking about the job. And the executive turned to his side of his desk and pulled out a big stack of papers. He says, yes, we received your letter. All 393 of them come here. We knew you'd be coming. You can start tomorrow. He's now manager of that company in New York. How bad do you want it? Well, I put in four applications. They all turned me down. Well, you have 389 left to write then. The difference between a dream and a wish. A wish is just something you hope it happens. Pray. A dream is something you put your actions behind. Pray with your feet. I'm getting the Sharpie out tonight. <laughs> I'm going to confess right now, CCPD, I am defacing property tonight. <laughs> Just teasing. The scripture says, with faith without works is dead. He could have wished he got a job. He could have wished someone would hire him. He could have wished he'd go to school. He, wishing isn't going to get you anywhere. Well, I wish this. I wish that. I get so tired when people say, I wish this. What? Well, what are you doing about your wish? The people that succeed don't have the most talent or the most education or the most opportunity. They, they, many times they simply want it more than others. You have to pursue what God put in you. Being passive and indifferent will keep you from your destiny. I remember one time in ninth grade, there I was, ninth grade, it was a JV basketball game, just two seconds left on the clock, and I've got to make two free throws to, to tie the game, and there's my girlfriend in the stands, and my dad, and my mom, and the whole school's looking at me, and I'm nervous, and I'm just this little skinny, can you imagine that skinny? Anyway, I'm skinny, and I... And I make the first free throw, and then I'm like, oh my gosh, one more free throw, and the game's tied, and I missed it. And the other team cheered, and my girlfriend broke up with me. <laughs> Went out with a guy from the other team, the winner. And I went home, and I cried, and I cried, and I talked to my dad, and my dad said to me this. He goes, well, how bad do you want it? 
I was like, what do you mean? Well, how bad do you want it? How bad do you want to make the last, you know, free throw in the last second? I was like, well, I want to make it. I want to make it bad. He goes, not bad enough. I said, what do you mean? He said, have you done 500 free throws today? You got to shoot 500 free throws a day and then you won't miss it. So I started shooting 500 free throws a day. Now, this would be a great story if I ended up in the NBA, but we all know that didn't happen. <laughs> Anyhow, but I started shooting 500 a day because I wanted it bad. Jesus said, those who hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Here's the principle. If you're not hungering after anything, you're not going to be filled. Are you hungry to get well? Hungry enough to accomplish a dream? Hungry to meet the right person? <laughs> you can teach people to have faith. You can encourage people to believe. But I can't make you be hungry. That has to come from inside. You have to know you're a person of destiny. That there's something bigger in front of you. Do you want it bad enough? Are you coasting? Have you let people talk you out of it? Bad breaks? Disappointments? Steal your passion? Well, my business didn't make it. That's why I'm down. How do you know your next business is not going to make it? The medical report says I'm not doing well. Well, there's another report that says God can heal you. Are you hungry for it? You may have had some setbacks. You've got to be relentless about what God has put in your heart. It's sometimes we talk ourselves out of it. It's too hard. I can't write that many letters. Yes, you can. 393. I first met Renee. I was just madly in love. Met Jesus and Renee all in the same summer. It was a pivotal summer for me. <laughs> I thought this girl's one of a kind. I'm not going to let her get away. I would do anything Renee wanted. I would go to the mall with her, follow her around, hold her purse. Hold my purse, honey. Sure. Proudly. People walking by looking at me. I'm like, what are you looking at? I don't even like to shop. I never complain. You want to go shopping? Oh, let's go shopping. One time we were first dating. She says, you know, I need to work out. I need to work out at 530 in the morning. Do you want to work out tomorrow, 530 in the morning? The first answer in my head was, hell no. I don't want to be at 530 in the morning. I want to sleep. Jesus is not even up at 530 in the morning. Without missing a beat, I smile real big. I'd love to work out with you at 5.30 in the morning. Be at your house at 5.15. I was lying, but you do that when you're in love. <laughs> oh, you lie. You know it's true. Think about the lies you've told when you're in love. Love you. <laughs> Driving down the road, 4.45 in the morning. <laughs> I hate life. Go to the apartment door. Ready to work out? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, I'm very toned already. When you want something bad enough, you'll do what you normally wouldn't do. If you think I wanted her bad, you should have seen how bad she wanted me. <laughs> I can't think of any examples, but I know she did. Deep down inside, deep Way deep down inside. <laughs> what am I saying? Quit telling yourself it's so hard. It's too early. I can't work out then. I've got too many setbacks. Don't miss your destiny because you don't want it bad enough. What God put in you is worth fighting for. 
It's worth being uncomfortable for a season. It's worth having to stretch, to get up early, to try again, to do what others are not willing to do. I'm going to close with this story, and this is a crazy story, and Renee said I shouldn't share it, which makes it even better. Right? You want to hear this story? Yes? You're going to hear it anyway. If you said no, too bad. So my friend in New Braunfels, Chris, has this crazy grandmother. I first met Chris's grandmother in New Braunfels, Texas. She had a little farm. She's a feisty little woman. She's a real character, really short. She grew up way out in the country. And her husband, Chris's grandfather, they were very poor. They didn't have a lot of education, but they were really great, great people. Love them. They're salt of the earth people. Now, here's the weird thing. Chris's grandmother later in life took up a weird habit. She started chewing tobacco. She liked to dip snuff. People used to tease Chris about his snuff dipping grandmother. I'm not kidding you. Christmas Eve, my first Christmas Eve in New Braunfels, which is a bunch of Germans who like to drink on Christmas Eve. Christmas Eve, it didn't matter what I said because everybody's out there literally flasking, you know, drinking. Drinking before the service, <laughs> during the service, but not Chris's grandmother. During the service, I see her in the pews with a spit cup. I have never seen a 65-year-old woman with a spit cup in church before. Stop me dead in the sermon. Where was I? Someone asked Chris, hey, about your grandmother, if, if you chew tobacco, can you still go to heaven? He said, yes, but you have to go to hell to spit. <laughs> I thought that was funny. The funny thing is, is Chris's grandfather couldn't stand it. He begged her to stop. She, she just said, Jack, I just can't do it. I've tried everything. I'm hooked. This went on year after year. He even told, he even told her, he said, Ellie Mae, if you'll just, if you'll, if you'll quit, I'll give you $10,000. She wanted that money bad, but not bad enough. She just couldn't stop. Well, eventually, Chris's grandfather died. He went to be with the Lord, but Chris's grandmother, she didn't like being single, okay? So she got on that, you know, website, single now, dating now, whatever your time is now, whatever the heck, you, you're old, but you still want somebody, I don't know what it's called, dot com. She wanted to find herself a man, Ellie Mae did. She met this man who was 12 years younger than her. She was so excited. He was handsome, had a great personality, more than she could ever imagine. But she starts thinking, if he finds out I dip snuff, he'll never ask me out on a date, much less marry me. Do you know how long it took Ellie Mae to quit dipping snuff? That long. She didn't have to go to Snuff Dippers Anonymous or anything because she wanted it bad enough. She didn't have any withdrawals, miss her spit cup. What she couldn't do in years, she did in a moment because she wanted it bad enough. The question is, how big is your want to? You can break that addiction if you really want to. Oh, I just can't quit drinking. No, the, the, the right phrase is I won't quit drinking. 
You can forgive that person who, I just can't forgive them. No, 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 the right thing to say is you won't forgive them. I just can't make my marriage work. Well, no, you just don't want to anymore. You can write that book. You can accomplish that dream if you want it bad enough. You can carve a road through a mountain if you want to, if you're willing to take 22 years of carving because love never quits. Your will is one of the most powerful things you have. And when you make up your mind, do something, God will breathe life into your efforts and give you strength that goes beyond the natural. But you gotta do the natural. You can't just pray. You gotta pray with your feet. It's not just willpower. It's the blessing of God helping you. And when God sees you doing all you can, God will kick in with God's strength. And when you roll away the stone, God will raise Lazarus. I believe I'm looking at hungry people out there. I believe you're hungry. You came to church. You're online. You're watching. I'm looking at people who have a made-up mind, people that are relentless. I believe and declare that you're big enough is big enough, and your want-to is big enough. And like Bartimaeus, you're going to see, literally see things turning around. Like David, you're going to outlast the opposition. And like a man <laughs> in 22 years who could chip into a mountain to create a road, you can do this. So please go do what God has placed on your heart in Jesus' name. Let's pray. God of grace, we give thanks for this time to come together and to think about how we might actually pray with our feet, how we might actually act on what you've placed in our hearts, how we might do more than just wish, but actually dream and take steps toward that dream, how we might just put four applications in, but 393 applications, how we might be willing to chip a mountain for 22 years. God, give us the ability to see what other people cannot see. Give us the ability to tune out the ears the, and the, the mouths and voices of those who say it can't be done and let us just hear your voice, what you've placed in our hearts and our lives and help us, God, to be all that you created us to be and to live out the dreams that you've placed in our lives. Father, I give thanks. that Jesus didn't hear and listen to the voices who said, you can't change the world. I give thanks that Jesus refused to listen to the accuser of, of Satan who said, your, your blood will not be enough to cover the sins because it is and it was and it always will be. I give thanks, Lord, that Jesus only focused on what you had placed in his heart to be the savior of the world to be the creator and redeemer and sustainer. And because Jesus followed that dream, we have a dream and we can live and we have the gift of eternal life. But Lord, help us to realize time is, time is ticking. It's short, it's right now. So help us to live fully, completely and to get busy chipping away at that mountain. We pray this in the name of the one who can move the mountains. As he taught us, as we say now together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is kingdom, the power, and the glory. Thank you so much for joining us at Grace Presbyterian Church. We hope and we trust 
that this message was a blessing and gave you much encouragement as you face today. At Grace Presbyterian Church, we are a church family that welcomes everyone who welcomes everyone, and we would love to welcome you. So please join us either online or in person. You'll find a community that loves God and loves each other, and we are blessed by other people joining us. So please come and join us at Grace Presbyterian Church.